Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks, welcome back to another interview episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I am your host, Zach Bitter. Today, I am welcoming in a very exciting guest, I think for me and a lot of the listeners. This one is Ben Patrick, or more well known as the knees over toes guy. So Ben has a really, really interesting backscore story about just having the worst issues with his own knees to the point where it jeopardized his his athletic career essentially and it started plaguing him as early as high school and rather than kind of giving up on his passion of basketball he found a way to work with his body and bulletproof the areas that were previously causing him the most grief if you watch Ben participate in basketball or basically anything in the gym these days, you would never guess he had any knee issues. You'd think he was some sort of genetic freak who just had bulletproof body parts and could tolerate a insane amount of abuse. But really, it's a lot of hard work. And Ben went through years and years of development starting from zero to where now he can do some incredibly big tasks in some awkward positions. So a lot of times... When we talk about strength work and we talk about proper form and technique, we're looking at things that are kind of ideal or what is the most ideal way to place our body. Anyone who's played sports realizes that when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the thick of it, whether that be practice, scrimmaging, or a game itself, you're just going to find your body moving in positions you didn't really expect it to, and you need to be ready for those type of positions. Uh, basketball may be one of the best examples of that when you're you know, jumping and moving laterally forward, backwards, and all sorts of angles and things like that. You need to have strong support so that you don't damage areas that are vulnerable to impact forces. So Ben had me come out and meet him while he was here in Austin and walked me through a workout that, that he advocates kind of starting with if you're ready to start bearing some weight with this type of program. But for those of you who are just beginning your journey or are hoping to just begin your journey, there are easier versions of the workout that we did for this episode. And they're where I started. I actually have a pretty interesting backstory. I was familiar with Ben Patrick and his programs before I most recently injured my right ankle. And I started incorporating some of his stuff, but not in a way where it was kind of in my routine as much as it probably should have been. You know, like a lot of times in athletics, when you hurt yourself, that's when you start really taking that sort of stuff seriously. So I began with Ben's uh, Ben's group. It's called Athletic Truth Group. They have a program called the Zero Program that kind of starts you out from the beginning. So you learn the different movements that are going to be good for bolstering your body in awkward positions and getting to a point where you can start adding more and progress over time. So Ben's very aware that uh, when you place your body in these positions, you need to be ready for it. So he's very clear about knowing where your body's limits are at the time, starting from there and gradually working your way up. So I would encourage anyone who is interested in what we're doing here today to go check out Ben's Instagram page, which is Knees Over Toes Guy, or his YouTube channel, also Knees Over Toes Guy, or the Instagram page, uh, athletic truth group which is his his coaching services 
and he's got a lot of other coaches. I want to say he said something like five or 600 certified ATG coaches now in the, in North America. So there's a lot of support out there. Those of you who listen to this show or all the episodes of this show will know that David Mariani came on a few episodes back. I believe it's episode 271. He is one of Ben's right-hand men when it comes to coaching and programming this sort of stuff. Also has a great story around this stuff. We went into a lot more detail about their philosophy of building from the ground up in that episode. So if you're interested in kind of hearing a little more about what we talk about here today, I would strongly suggest checking that out with David Mariani as well. Also, a bit of an update for those listeners who are following along a bit more closely. As you know, my wife and I had most recently moved to Austin, Texas, and we are excited because this Friday we actually close on our house here in Austin. Once we close on our house, we'll no longer be nomads, which we've been now for about five weeks. We, we sold our house in Phoenix at the beginning of January moved out to Austin, rented for a bit as we looked for a house. We got really lucky and found one pretty quick, got our offer accepted. But as many of you know, the closing process is roughly a month. So we we needed to continue to rent until we could finalize that. But a couple days from now, that final piece will be in place and we'll be set up in our new house. And I will be slowly but surely transitioning from remote podcast setup to a more formal, structured, controllable area. So for those of you who've been following the last few episodes, uh, you'll probably notice a little less variety in terms of where I'm at and the visuals in the background if you watch the video stuff, uh, as well as a little bit more consistent audio type of stuff when I can get a little more structure set up with that. With that said, one of my plans with Austin is to do some more in-person podcasting like I did with Ben here. So I will be working on improving the remote stuff as well as a, a, uh, a, a studio more or less that will be be useful for that sort of stuff so we can have a bit more interpersonal engagements with some of the guests going forward if you would like to support the human performance outliers podcast there are a few ways to do so non-monetary support can be done simply by liking sharing and subscribing to the hpo podcast on your favorite podcast platform if you tune into the video version of the show you can like share and subscribe on youtube as well By doing this, you help me grow the show's listener base and allow your friends and family to enjoy the episodes that you enjoy. You can also support monetarily. There are a couple ways to do this by heading over to the show's landing page at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO. From there, you can support the show's Patreon page. Patreon subscribers can access ad-free audio versions of the show and also get the early release feature. If you do not want to use or join patreon but wish to make a donation you can do it without joining any third-party platform by simply donating with debit or credit through the simple donation link located at zackbitter.com forward slash hpo finally engaging with me on my social media channels instagram at zackbitter twitter at zbitter facebook at zbitter endurance and tiktok at zackbitter can also go a long way and keep you up to date on episode details and features If you are in the market for one of the products offered by the show sponsors, you can also support the Human Performance Outliers podcast by supporting the sponsors of the show. For this episode, my friends at Athletic Greens are sponsoring this episode. Their flagship product, AG1, 
is a powder that you can pour into six to eight ounces of water. It comes packed with 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Athletic Greens works with their in-house dietitian to continually update and improve their formula as the research continually evolves. Right now, Athletic Greens is running a promotion where if you buy their flagship product, AG1, you will also receive a year's supply of vitamin D3K2 as well as their travel packs. Their travel pack comes with a five-pack sampler that you can use to throw in a bag, whether it's a gym bag, travel bag, whatever, to bring their AG1 product with you on the go. Personally, I start every day by pouring one scoop of AG1 into a glass of water and put two drops of the D3K2 in there, stir it up, and drink it on an empty stomach. If you have discovered you are lacking some key nutrients or simply want to ensure you are getting the ultimate nutritional insurance, check out Athletic Greens and see if it fits your lifestyle. So you can head over to athleticgreens.com forward slash HPO or to the show sponsor page, which is at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. And there you can link to the details and the specific landing pages of the show sponsors. Also, by supporting HPO through Athletic Greens, you also support sustainability and healthy nutrition for kids in need. Athletic Greens is climate neutral certified, and with every purchase, donates to charities in need like No Kid Hungry in the U.S. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash HPO. Get yourself the AG1 flagship product as well as the free year supply of vitamin D3K2 and the five travel servings of AG1s. Links are in the show notes and at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Also, if you are in the market for a little extra help in your endurance training or would like to consult with me, you can head over to my coaching offerings, which can be found at zachbitter.com forward slash coaching. From there, you have options to sign up for consultations with me. Those are one-on-one conversations that we can have about questions, topics, anything you want to chat with me about. Those come in 30-minute and 60-minute options. You could also sign up for personalized coaching, which entails me programming your training for you based around your schedule, availability, current fitness, past training, goals, desires, you name it. You can also access my training philosophy through some of my pre-made coaching plans as well, which you can also find at zachbetter.com forward slash coaching. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Human Forest Outliers podcast. I'm here with probably one of my most requested guests in quite some time, Ben Patrick. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day to show me some moves and chat. Yeah, man, you crushed it. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I love the name of your podcast. It's super cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was actually, people ask about it sometimes, like, where did you come up with it? It was actually my former co-host, Sean Baker. Uh, We were thinking, what would you name it? Because when we started it, it was like, he's literally twice my size. And he does all short, high-intensity stuff. I'm like all day running, tiny little guy. So it's like, what are the outliers of performance is correct. It's kind of what we were thinking with that, where he's kind of short, explosive, uh, muscular, and I'm like small run forever, seemingly cover both ends of the spectrum a bit. And we both kind of had a similar diet. So that kind of what brought us together, but, um, yeah, it's been fun. Awesome. So 
Yeah, let's chat a bit about just what we did today. I let, First of all, actually, we should see if I can actually remember all the moves we did. So, and then you, maybe you can add the color as to why we did them and that sort of stuff. So listeners can, can try it out themselves. We, we started out with sled push and pull. That was kind of both a warm up and a pretty good cardio workout. Yeah. I mean, my heart was pumping. Yeah. Uh, then we moved into elevated heel goblet squats, yeah. real deep focus on form, yeah. focus on holding that deep position and kind of exploding up. Mm-hmm. Then we went to weighted tibialis raises. Yeah. From there, we went to, was it reverse Nordics Is that we did? Just, Nordics. just Nordics, yeah. just Nordics. Yeah. Um, and then uh, hip flexor raises. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was a burner. I mean, we were probably just bang, bang, bang for like a solid 15 minutes and it felt like a solid workout and it, it, it's dressing spots. I think they'll be really useful for runners, whether you're running on trails or on yeah. flatter stuff like I do. So, yeah. And I'd love as I go through it to hear some of your tips for runners. Cause obviously a lot of my followers, I'm not a runner. I run when I play basketball. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I have a passion for running, uh-huh. for being able to run fast and for being able to run for a long time mm-hmm. and for being able to run with no pain. And so the sled for me is the foundation. So my program right now is six days a week, every day a sled. So mm-hmm. every session starts with sled. The first thing you do is you move a sled. And when we were doing forward on the sled, our intent was all through the big toe, the fascia of the foot, the Achilles. A lot of your followers have probably heard of mobility expert Kelly Sturette. Mm-hmm. He says the forward sled is the number one Achilles exercise. Mm-hmm. So you're going through a stretch in the big toe, the plantar fascia, through the heel, the Achilles, all these areas actually proven if you improve these areas to reduce everything I just named, to reduce plantar fasciitis, heel pain, Achilles tears, tendonitis, even shin splints. So when we're pushing a sled, the intent is all on the foot. This happens to help actually unlock the glutes. You can start using your glutes better when your feet open up. But then anything we do forwards, we're coming backwards, at least as much backward as forward. Mm-hmm. So the backward is then the position that really allows you to get stronger knees, but in a safe manner. So if someone out there has runner's knee pain, you can back slide your way out of runner's knee pain into the ability to run forward without pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll explain some of the running stuff to that and what I see with it, but I'm sure anyone listening that's been doing a meaningful amount of running over the years, they heard Achilles tendonitis, they heard plantar fasc, they heard patellar tendon, knee, yeah. and they're already sold because they've all had one of those or all three of them at some point. Yeah, <laughs> so if you look at that, so if we go on the premise that like a human body was designed to work right. Mm-hmm. And then if we do X amount of running, I would say your fundamental exercise as a runner would be backward with the sled. Mm-hmm. To me, that would be your number one exercise as a runner. To mm-hmm. balance out what you're doing and to strengthen everything you need to be able to run without pain. When you can run your hardest without pain, it's a lot easier to get faster. Mm-hmm. So I've worked with a lot of runners and it doesn't matter if it's hundred meters or hundred miles. Yeah. One thing seems to be in common. It's the pains and injuries that make it toughest to get faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple things. I think one is, uh, when I first started buying into strength for runners, and I think when the running community started to kind of turn that direction, it was kind of like what you were explaining where the reason you're doing is to fix imbalances for a big part of it because we do kind of get one dimensional with running a lot of linear stuff, especially stuff. I do a little less on the trails. They get a little more variance, but 
still pretty one dimensional, certainly not as much cutting as you're going to see in other sports. And uh, the other thing that I thought was really interesting when you were coaching me through the push was you were just really strict about make sure you're going through that big toe, through that big toe, through the big toe. And what a lot of times I think people don't realize is they think like, oh, well, running, you know, I'm moving forward. You have a slight forward lean and you kind of want to work with that. But when you push off when you toe off, all that power is getting channeled to that big toe. So I guess why your toe is the big toe. It's the one that's taking that. So like if you focus on working with your body, you should be pushing a lot of your forward energy through that big toe. So focusing on that sort of thing with those movements, like with a sled, I think are probably really good starting points or points of interest for people if they, when they find themselves behind it for the first time. Yeah. And you can take someone in their 60s, 70s, 80s and have them start working with a sled. The idea is not a sprint sled. The idea is not a max out sled. The idea is finding that middle ground where the sled resists you mm -hmm. so that you actually have a smoother motion. So everything you're doing is pretty smooth with the sled, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the burn builds up like crazy. Yeah. So you'll <laughs> actually find the most circulation if you find that middle ground where it's heavy enough to slow you down mm -hmm. and make you have to work, really work to move it, but it's not so heavy that it interrupts a natural motion. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big thing is just making sure that people understand how to do it, that every turf is different, mm -hmm. sleds are different. There's no weight I can tell you you have to test your surface and find the one that gets the best circulation. And it won't be the heaviest thing you can move, but it won't be, uh, you know, a sprint either. Sure. It's going to be that middle ground. Yeah. The turf is interesting. I pushed some sled at Mark Bell's, uh, gym in Sacramento. Oh, cool. He's is a little slicker than the stuff here. The stuff here oh, is a little more like Velcro. Way <laughs> different. That's why I liked it. If I have a chance, I like to go test it first. Uh -huh. So the sled, the turf we're using today is super, grippy, uh -huh. slow turf, which I really like. Yeah. Uh, most turf will be like at Mark Bell's place. That was pretty standard turf and you will have to put some weight onto the sled mm -hmm. to get it to be a you know, good friction. Find that right spot. Yeah. The other thing that I thought would be interesting to share is I think at least when I thought, and I bet a lot of people listening, they push a sled, they're just going to get up there and push it without yeah. a whole lot of thought to form. Yeah. And you corrected me a few times. You're like, make sure you're down, yeah. uh, you know, down like halfway down the bars the on the chest foot. all the way in there. Mm -hmm. You want to be turning your body into like a torpedo mm -hmm. and you want to be bending your elbows and shoulders so that basically you're making the, the core and the legs try to do all the work rather than having the arms outstretched yeah. in front of you trying to get help from the shoulders. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it, getting all the way in and then finding that lean through the foot and the ankle to the point where you see the sled start to move just because of the angle uh -huh. that you're getting through that foot and ankle. Yeah, that was the one of the helpful tips that I think kind of put me in the right position was knowing like once I just lean into it the right way and the sled starts to move a little bit on its own, you kind of know that you've got the right the right spot and then you can start those big like driving steps to try to push it forward. And yeah, unreal for the glutes. So for the yeah. feet and the glutes, when you go forward, it's incredible. When you go backward for the knees, it's incredible. So just with that forward and backward, it's actually amazing how many quote unquote, complex running pains, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Complex running issues that can sort out just by using a slide forward and back. So that's, that's the foundation for me, six days a week. Everything else in my program is accessory to that. Like we did full range of motion squats, letting the toes go out sliding, letting the heels lift up, because that's actually, as we grow up and stuff, that's actually kind of our natural squatting position. 
you'll find that the muscles will turn on best that way. But it's just a, that's just a simple, classic resistance exercise, mm -hmm. still with attention and detail and form, done once a week, whereas the sled I'm doing six days a week. Mm -hmm. Because the sled is never moving you, only you move the sled. So there's a total difference, no matter how much it burns, you, you don't have that same soreness the next day. Mm -hmm. So the sled is the thing that you can do frequently. And in, in terms of like outlier performance, me, the people who've been doing my program for a long time, we think the sled is like the key to the outlier performance. We think that's the number one key because it doesn't just make your muscles massive. So you're getting stronger within a similar sized frame. Mm -hmm. So you're able to change your relative strength, like your pound for pound strength. The sled is this cheat code for pound for pound strength and stamina and joint protection. So I would rate the sled number one for jumping higher. Knowing how to use the sled and using it consistently, I would rate it as the number one exercise for a basketball to jump higher, but I've never seen that like written or yeah. I've never seen that listed as the number one exercise to jump higher. I've also never seen someone who's made as much of an outlier jump transformation as I have. So like I have, you know, statements from past coaches and stuff that are like, you know, I, I reached my twenties having never grabbed a rim mm -hmm. and now I'm trying to hit my head on. Yeah. So if you want to talk about outlier jump performance, uh -huh. well, the first thing you would jump to is what am I doing differently than everyone else? Well, I've had this outlier jump performance and I've definitely gone backward with the sled more than any human being over the last 10 years. It's more than anyone in the world. No one's done more backward sled over the last 10 years and no one has changed the jumping as much over the last 10 years. You see what I mean? Yeah. Uh -huh. So simplest thing you can do with outliers is see, well, what the heck did they do differently? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Cause I think like uh, the first time I ever even thought of pushing and pulling stuff like that, uh, for, for running related stuff was, uh, there's a guy who would, uh, guest co-host on, uh, endurance planet. He would always talk about his name is Lucho and he would always talk about pulling a tire um, and then running backwards, pulling the tire. And I just remember thinking at first I was like, he lives like way up in the mountains. I'm like, why would he need to do that? He's getting plenty of that going up and down the hills, but it's uh, you know, everything you've said now is kind of add a little bit of color and flavor to like, why would you do something like that? And how that can be valuable, not just, not, not just for running, but for, for life and fitness in general. So it's an, it's a cool one. It's one I'm going to start putting into my routine. A bit more. His specific kind of gym. So yeah. Kind of like I'm not saying it's easy. Right. But this is what I'm here for: is to slowly help the gym scene change. Tread, mm -hmm. Treadmills manage to get into every gym. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh -huh. I'm going to keep pounding away until sleds are as common yeah. as treadmills. Well, you're you're definitely creating an environment that is getting noticed i think because when i go to the gym now i see people on treadmills walking backwards and i never saw that a couple of years ago so <laughs> there's people paying attention and they're they're going to gym so i would imagine we'd see more slides popping up the way we did uh treadmills and things like that in the past so really cool um so the goblet squat stuff i really liked that one because when i'm working with endurance athletes i try to like inch them towards a strength routine if they're not doing one already and a lot of times we're focusing on kind of some functional movements, some foundational movements and things like that. And to tell someone who's never squatted before to go and just go to the gym and get on our squat rack, throw some weight on the bar is going to be a pretty big learning curve and yeah. they may get hurt doing it, which a is what, exactly. Yeah. But the goblet squats with that elevated heel is something you can learn a little bit easier yeah. with the movement versus it hurting you. Right. We're just trying to mimic the most fundamental human squat pattern. That's mm -hmm. it. 
and then gradually add load to that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's going to give us the least chance of injury. And then it happens to be that letting those joints go through a full range of motion, getting that motion and compression actually gives us the most snow to fluid the oil that takes the nutrient to the joint. Mm -hmm. So when you just shut off the full range of motion of a joint, that can seem like the advantageous thing to do. Oh, my knee hurts. Let me just stop moving it. But that's actually going to delay getting that joint to last as long. Mm -hmm. So it's actually shutting down the motion of a joint is a recipe to a joint that ages faster. So mm -hmm. to get the joint to, to last longer, you need to figure out how do I get that full range of motion? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not going to be by jumping under a squat bar and throwing on weight. You know what I mean? Like sure. It's going to take some nuance and some regression and kind of rebuilding um, toward that most natural squat pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. And and, th and then we moved on to uh, the tibialis stuff, which yeah. is one I was really interested in because that's the, it wasn't the first thing I did that of, of yours, of your catalog, but it was the one I think that has been the most, uh, the most apparent in what it actually does for me. So the tibialis raises, I do the unweighted stuff every day now. Oh, wow. Um, and I start my morning with it. It's wow. like the first thing I do in the morning as my coffee's making. Like, wow. it, <laughs> and part of it is because I, I busted up my ankle this last summer and I've been really fortunate as a runner. I haven't had a lot of injuries. I actually have probably almost the antithesis story to you in terms of injuries where yeah. like you had all sorts of injuries early on yeah, in life. And you had just, that's just as good to mm -hmm. relay why you didn't have injuries. Yeah. If, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Someone could learn a lot from learning why did you not have injuries? Why did I have injuries? And what did I do to get out of it? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But apparently I made some mistakes along the way because I found myself injured this summer and with a, with an ankle issue. And, and I have rolled that ankle in the past, but it's always just been like busted on like a something really acute where I know like I was running on technical trail. I turned it over really good, stepped off a curb wrong, something yeah. weird like that. And then you just rest it for a few days and you're kind of, you know, back to things more or less. But this most recent one was just a little more a little more uh, overuse based uh, is my suspicion. And then it also just kind of lingered around a little longer. So I had to take it a little more seriously than I maybe did in the past. And uh, I'd wake up basically every morning with it being really tight. And when I started doing the tibialis raises is when I actually started feeling comfortable enough to go and start running on it again. And, uh, you know, it was soft tissue, thankfully. So you do want to work it a little bit to kind of get that strength back in the area and start building up the areas around it. So getting back into the sport was kind of a good place for me to be when I could get that pain to go away. And the tibialis race is what did it. I'd wake up with some tightness in that area. I would do, I started out with sets of like 20 reps. Then I got comfortable doing 30 every day. And now I'm doing about, I'll do about 50 in the morning. Wow. And it's like, after I do that, it's just, it's just as loose as my left one. And I head out further on. I don't feel like I got to warm it up or anything. So it's awesome. quick little 60 second trick that, yeah. That I'm keeping around. And, and today we did a little more of a progression to what I've been doing. I would, I suppose we add some weight to it. Um, do you want to just talk a little about the tibialis yeah. muscle, the, that specific movement that you, you use? Yeah. I mean, we, our legs are workhorses mm -hmm. we put so much into them. And as we go through life, we often do start to do strength training or different injuries happen. And the ankle can be one of those ones that it's like, something can happen that there is no preventing and you just roll it. Mm -hmm. But now after that, sometimes it doesn't just automatically heal. You yeah. Know what I mean, and the tibialis, that muscle runs along the front outside of the shin, but it actually wraps. Someone should look at it on Google. I put in so many of my videos. I put a visual of it because most of us don't actually really know what it looks like. 
Mm-hmm. So it wraps from the outside of the underside of the knee, and then it goes actually across the shin and attaches down into the middle of the foot. Mm-hmm. So that is the primary muscle that lifts up your toes. And just as the hamstring helps your knee, the tibialis helps your ankle and shin and even Achilles and things like that. It's, it's right there with your calves. So most people are going to have like um, calves that proportionally are much stronger than the tibialis. Mm-hmm. And so when force, if you imagine the force coming up through our feet, through our ankles, through our shins, up to our knees, it makes no sense to leave an entire area of our lower leg untrained. You know what I mean? And it's like for you with your ankle, it's not like your ankle had a zero of strength and running was a hundred. If you think about it as physics, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever was hurting your ankle somewhere along the line, there just wasn't quite enough protection there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that force was just a bit too much. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And so it can often be that just a 10%, 15% increase of strength through there, and all of a sudden that chronic pain can go away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The chronic shin splint can go away. The chronic uh, ankle issue can go away. And so, yeah, I, I became obsessed with that from ankle sprains in basketball and from finding that, like, even once I quote unquote bulletproofed my knees, well, how effective am I as a basketball player if my knees don't hurt, but my shins and Achilles and ankles? Yeah. You know? So it's like, <laughs> so, so it was actually easy for me to jump on that and figure out what an undertrained area that was because of the knees and seeing how some of the most helpful simple things can be like totally overlooked you know what i mean mm-hmm. so once i figured that sort of body weight version i never looked back and i've done ten thousand plus of the exercise you're describing that's the first exercise in my zero program that if, even if someone just learned and got something out of that that would be worth the price of the program you know what i mean I don't yeah have, yeah i don't have any high price programs because that's the whole idea is that this is like simple intuitive common sense it works you learn it like think for you you could easily teach another runner that uh-huh. and, and another runner could teach another runner. you know right I mean? so easy it's yeah. not complex mm-hmm. now what we did in the gym was only using a strap to add a weight to the foot sitting on a bench and doing the tibialis race that way simply because I was showing you like my classic gym workout. Mm-hmm. And you could imagine that for someone, if they had a, a more severe injury to one side, mm-hmm. it could help them to build up like that. You know yeah. I mean? But the, for most people, the body weight version is going to be all that they'll need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if nothing else, the single leg stuff across the board, not just with the tibialis, is just a great way to know if you have an imbalance. I know for, for me, when I got around to taking strength work a little more seriously, one of the first things I recognized when I would do one legged stuff, was my left leg was stronger than my right leg. Wow. And it was like pretty obvious too. So like, it's like, oh, well, whatever I'm doing, I'm working that one more and, or it's stronger for whatever reason. So perhaps time to try to catch that other one up and think about those sort of things. So I really like the single leg stuff, even if it's just to kind of highlight where those imbalances are perhaps yeah. located on your body. Um, after tibialis, we moved on to the Nordics and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this was probably where I was the weakest on the battery of things we did. Yeah, um, yeah which maybe just means or indication is how I ended up running ultra marathons, not a hundred meter dash perhaps. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you had excellent control on the way down. Mm-hmm. And so the control on the way down is going to relate most to knee protection. Mm-hmm. So you had excellent control, excellent knee protection relative to the hundreds of people I've checked on it, mm-hmm. but less ability to explode, mm-hmm. which would be natural for a distance runner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, the explosion up would not be vital, 
but could potentially tap into more fibers there. Mm-hmm. And as I told you when we were doing it, the Nordic, I get extremely passionate about for the guy who does not have the genetics, quote unquote, to succeed in his sport. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's the guy I was my whole life. I didn't have the genetics to run fast and jump high. And so something like the Nordic gave me a route. That's only one piece of the puzzle, but it gave me a route to do the things the freak athletes do. Mm-hmm. So every freak, explosive athlete, speed, you know, NFL players, cornerbacks, wide receivers, every freaky, explosive guy I've ever trained could do those Nordics like nothing. Mm-hmm. And it took me two years to do it. So that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. And now I'm as explosive as those guys and I can do the slam dunks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's only one piece of the puzzle, but it's just cool that, that there is something out there. Like if someone thinks, if someone thinks I enjoy running, but I'll never be fast, uh-huh. you actually could. You know what yeah. I mean? So for you to recap the control down, excellent. And that's the most important part. Yes. If you wanted to get into more short sprints, you would find a lot of results out of learning to explode through those glutes uh-huh. and, and do the way up as well. But mm-hmm. you're off, you're like, you have an excellent foundation. Just for our listeners who aren't familiar with the Nordic, do you want to just explain a little bit about kind of how that's done that particular yeah, movement? But, but the best by far, it's like one of the most recent videos on my YouTube. Okay. I repeatedly have the most viewed Nordic videos on YouTube. <laughs> my original tutorial is the most viewed Nordic video of all time. And I just put out an updated one which actually shows why you could go to the gym and do hamstring curls, but uh-huh. just what is the difference between a hamstring curl and a Nordic uh-huh. and why I think you would probably get best results out of, I have two, I do two leg days a week and you'd probably get best results out of one or the other, but it'd be really good to see it in action. And you'll see that it's a Canadian hockey player, Marty St. Louis, who was an outlier undrafted and ended up being Stanley cup champ MVP and was leading the league in score in scoring in his late thirties. And at his gym, he was the only pro hockey player out of 25 pros who could do this strict Nordic. <laughs> is that outlier or is that outlier? That's outlier. Yeah. Right. So here I am, <laughs> slow as dirt, seeing that, going, oh. well, I need to figure out how to do that. And mm-hmm. as you saw, we elevated up the bench. Like you can mm-hmm. actually imagine if we kept elevating, you would have had no problem. You see what I mean? Yeah. So I, I realized that. So in my system, everything's scalable. So my mom does every exercise that I do. She's never going to dump, but she does every motion that I do. You see what I mean? Right. So I became extremely passionate about that Nordic and scaling it, but also teaching people how to do it safely and, and stuff like that. So that would be the best I could say would be to go to watch the video because you'll see Marty St. Louis doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than just hearing me talking about it. For sure. We'll link it. See. We'll exactly. link it to this one Perfect. so people Perfect. can check it I'll out. Text it to you as soon as we finish today. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and then the last movement we did was hip flexor extensions, right? Yeah. Weighted a little bit. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's imagine that you suck at Nordics and then two years later, you're great at Nordics. But that entire time, you never trained your hip flexors, the muscles that pick up your legs. So let's imagine your hip, you still have the hip flexor strength that the former slow you had. Uh-huh. And now you're wondering why you're running kind of powerfully, but heavy footed, you know what I mean? Uh And why you can't hit that extra gear that the natural freak athlete can hit. Mm -hmm. So the guy who's naturally fast in hundred meters is naturally strong at the Nordic and has hip flexors that match that. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if you start improving at everything in the workout that we described, but if you didn't train the muscles that pick up your leg, Mm -hmm. you'd have a more muscular leg, more powerful leg, more powerful glutes but you wouldn't be able to hit that last year of speed. And you'd be prone, honestly, to some hip and groin issues. Mm-hmm. So this is lifting. We were lifting weights with our feet. Yeah. Bodybuilders pick up dumbbells with their hands. 
and curl them. In my program, well, we get to do that on upper body day, but on lower body day, we pick up weight with our feet and we lift them with our feet. And so most people have another world of performance waiting for them by actually doing measurable overload resistance training for the hip flexors, which is just the muscle that lifts up your leg. So that's what we did. And, and you did really good on that one. So you were able to do, I mean, I could tell it got like a challenge by the end mm -hmm. to hold the form, but you were lifting 15 pounds, which I'm sure is 10% at least of your body yep. weight. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was using 20 pounds, you're using 15 pounds. Um, but I would say like all things considered, you're pretty strong on that. But again, imagine if you wanted to run a hundred meter race and you right. improved your Nordic, it's just natural. You would want to improve that as well. You mm -hmm. see what I mean? Yeah. Well, the interesting crossover, I think, towards running and then even ultra marathoning, maybe more specifically, is at the end of a race, anyone who's done these 100 mile races realizes like, oh, yeah, I get more clumsy at the end. And like, I'm not lifting my legs up as high as I was in early on in the race. So you start tripping over stones and things if you're out on the trails. And it just gets a little more challenging to go up steep climbs and things like that if mm -hmm. you're not getting that knee drive. And I think yeah. like, it's you can work on that stuff and running up hills is going to help with that but this is just one more thing you can add to that to, to really make sure that you got the strength to uh and durability to be able to sustain that for a long time yeah uh, and that that area doesn't have a lot of muscle tissue meaning even if you grow it that's really good for outlier type performance you don't have to gain 10 pounds to get strong there you know what i mean mm -hmm. we're talking ounces or less meaning you could jack up your hip flexors improve your ability at the end of a hundred mile race without making your body harder to move around. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it would be one thing to say like, Oh, you want to be better at a hundred mile race, like add a hundred pounds to your squat. That's mm -hmm. going to have a lot of ramifications. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Where, so that's where the hip flexors are kind of like this golden opportunity, um, where you could add some juice to your ability, you know, to your, to your stamina in a race without messing up your mechanics, maybe even improving your mechanics. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was all interesting stuff. I could see the connections to running, certainly from the injury prevention standpoint with just like addressing areas that are typically going to get hurt by runners and making sure that those areas are strong, mobile, and able to handle the, the activities we're doing. And then, and then the imbalance stuff too. I really like all the, how that always pairs with kind of a push and a pull versus just one specific direction only and yeah. not going anywhere else. Um, one other question just about that, uh, workout in general, some of these movements were kind of everyday movements where you're like, I do this six days a week or yeah. all the time. So that's the only one we do often. Okay. Everything mm -hmm. else you're really looking at one to two times a week. Okay. Allowing it to fully recover. Mm -hmm. But you would see like, if you did, if you tried to do the Nordic exercise again tomorrow, uh -huh. it might not feel right. <laughs> yeah. But you could hop on the sled and go back. Do that that's exactly what I'm doing tomorrow. Tomorrow's an upper Today we did like that. Uh-huh. Tomorrow's an upper body day, uh, back and up. It's, it's really back and like optional upper body because people have different preferences on how much upper body they want, mm -hmm. but we'll go backwards with the sled tomorrow. So even on upper body days, we do extra sled backwards, mm -hmm. just for extra bullet proofing, extra circulation, extra foot strength, knee strength. Sure. Yeah. And like one round of that entire thing probably took us, I mean, we had three guys going too. Yeah. So it wasn't like we were just bang, bang, right, bang. We recovered. Mm -hmm. we weren't. We weren't doing no rest and risking improper form. We were careful attention to detail, full rest, mm -hmm. but it wouldn't take more than 30 minutes. I don't think. Right. And that would probably be with three sets. And yeah. a lot of people are probably going to start with one or two and yeah. then work their way up to three. So yeah, think about that. Like I mean, most of the 
runners that I'm coaching will start out with one day per area per week just to get them started and then eventually maybe build up to two. If they've had a really big background in strength for whatever reason, sometimes they'll do three, but um, that's pretty rare. So I think most people can find 30 minutes, 60 minutes a week to kind of do these sort of things, especially if it's going to keep them consistent, injury-free, strong, healthy, and not waking up with sore knees, ankles, and hips. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I I think about that stuff like, I'm not doing this for the sport of fitness. Mm-hmm. I'm using the fitness for the sport you want to feeling incredible on the basketball court, having explosion, stamina, bulletproofing. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we do Monday, Thursday is legs, Tuesday, Friday is like back and upper body, and then Wednesday and Saturday is actually flexibility. So you could see after going through a classic leg day with me that your overall, like overall in a week, even if you're doing everything you're going to be able to recover pretty well. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Last question or topic. Cause I know you've got a busy day ahead of you, but uh, not me. I would talk all day for the record. <laughs> my wife is a legend out there with our one-year-old. Yeah, so absolutely. He's almost at nap time. The most important thing for me was getting to actually take you through the workout sure. uh-huh. in this era of zoom interviews yeah. and impersonal. I uh-huh. just really, this year I want to actually be able to meet people in person and, yeah. and get to experience it with them. So Apologies to anyone who wanted this to go longer. They wanted the two-hour interview. That, <laughs> well, my, my they can go to Rogan superior. for the two-hour interview. Exactly. <laughs> my wife was actually there, and, and apparently she had all of Rogan's staff playing with the baby <laughs> while, while we were in the podcast. That's that's funny. Yeah, it's a good spot. I'm sure the kids were, or the your kid was loving it. But uh, for the record, Joe was on his hands and knees playing with my baby. Yeah, <laughs> if that doesn't say something about that guy. Yeah, no, Joe's great. He's a fun guy to meet. And I think one of the questions I've gotten the most after going on his show is like, is Joe really like he is on the podcast? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's real. Yeah, yeah. He's He's as real as he gets. mm -hmm. He's just himself. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Camera, no camera. So it's it's cool to see. Very cool to see. Uh, But yeah, the last thing I wanted is to, to share with you and ask about was one thing you said that really clicked with me about like this approach because i think like when first when it's maybe not so much anymore but originally when you started first putting out a lot of content it was like oh knees over toes what the heck that's like the opposite direction where people should be going and your rebuttal to that was basically look look i want to play basketball there's no way around it to play basketball at a high level you're going to be landing in weird positions you're going to be pivoting where i mean just slow motion any nba basketball game and watch the angles those guys are at like they don't even look physically possible like they look like things would snap all the time so the the reality of their life their passion is they have to be able to be strong in those positions in order to do that so their choice is to not do the thing they love the most or um you know learn how to be able to stay strong and healthy within it and i think ultra running is the exact same thing for the most there's really there's really no compelling health story for me to share in terms of like yeah go run 100 miles it's going to make you live longer or destroying people's knees all over the world (laughs) yeah so it's one of those things where if you love it enough and want to do it it's like this is just kind of like you know if you want your car to last longer you take it in you get maintenance you work on it you you don't just neglect it and beat it up and forget about it so it's kind of the same thing so you want to do these relatively unsustainable activities then you got to treat your body the way you need to in order to get yourself in and out of that sport in a way that you can still enjoy it without just pushing through pain all the time. Yeah. And I think that's the perfect closing part. And if we took the style of exercise, let's say that has the most intense knees over toes, 
it would probably be something like Olympic weightlifting, mm -hmm. where you're you're exploding up a weight and then you're catching it with your knees over your toe, <laughs> right? So if my mom at 67 wants to be able to keep running, am I just gonna teach her Olympic weightlifting? Number one, for some people that would probably work, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that would be very intense. What I can get my mom to do is drag a sled backwards mm -hmm. at her level. So if you think about elderly going down the stairs, that's not a joke. It's one of the leading causes of death in elderly. It's simply going down the stairs, they can't handle it, and they fall and die. Mm -hmm. Going down the stairs, it's all knees over toes. And if you stand in front of the mirror right now sideways, and you go to take one step back, it's all knees over toes. So I think my job is just showing and enlightening people that the lowest level of knees over toes is just walking backwards. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah. And backward walking alone has been found to be an effective screening process for elderly not to fall down the stairs and die. Mm -hmm. Just by going and exercising, by just going for a walk backwards. Yeah. So I actually find that on turf with a sled, it's actually much safer. Like you're not going to trip on something. You're not going to walk into traffic. Yeah. You know I mean? like, like I think it needs to be like a fundamental human exercise of strengthening that motion. But that would be the lowest level. Then getting into more advanced exercises, whatever your beliefs are, like you should have a coach for that. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I just think that's a good way to end off is for people to realize like if there's only one thing I can tell someone and why am I knees over toes guy, it's actually to educate people that walking backward is the lowest level of knees over toes. Not to take, not to tell people they have to increase risk of training. Right. In fact, using a sled is decreasing your risk of training versus free weights and allowing you to start getting stronger. Perfect. Well, Ben, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to chat and especially for teaching me some of this stuff. It was cool to move from video to in-person and I'm sure that's an experience not too many people are going to get as you get bigger and bigger over the years. So uh, it was a, a pleasure to meet you in person and to be able to chat with you for a bit. Thank you so much. Uh, before we let you go, you want to share with the listeners where they can find you? Um, Nisa over Toast Guy on Instagram. You can see like really fast videos. On YouTube, you can see longer videos. I've been putting captions on everything to try to make it easier. Those would be the two main places. Then I have two starting books, whether you want to train body weight or with equipment. I have two starting books on Amazon, Knee Ability Zero mm -hmm. and ATG for like ATG is Athletic Truth Group. That's my business. It's a full system of fitness, not just knees. So I do have a book that's more knee focused body weight. And then I actually have this ATG for life book, which gives the basics of like my whole system and approach. Mm -hmm. And then for people who want to do it, if someone wanted, for example, to do the exact workout we did today, that's on my app. I use the app yeah. and it's super convenient even for me. And I update it every week so that all the workouts are fresh, that it's like, what's the best thing I can deliver online with me? What I think is the best possible workout I can deliver, meaning exactly my schedule is online site and app so that someone could be anywhere and mm -hmm. essentially be my workout partner and still have seven days a week feedback form coaching. So that's the from free content on Instagram and YouTube to starting books on Amazon to then actually being able to train exactly like me online at atgonlinecoaching.com. That's everything. Perfect. Yeah. And I know from experience, the ATG zero program was kind of my first round of it, so to speak, in, in a more thorough 
organized manner. And uh, I mean, it's such a, such a great starting point. Anyone can start out there. It's designed in a way that, uh, I mean, you speak so well to making sure people don't go past their point where they're going to hit progress and inch forward from there and, and then get all the results in the long term, which I think is a great, great long-term solution for a lot of people. So really appreciate that. Awesome, Ben. Take care. Have a great rest of time and uh, hope you enjoy your spend your time here in Austin. Love it. Love Austin. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks. If you are interested in adding some structure to your training program, I have some options that might interest you. Over on my website, ZachBitter.com, I have a wide range of ready-made plans that have options for beginners to advanced endurance athletes. I also have personalized plan options where I will cater a plan specific to the event you are preparing for and your personal schedule and training availability. You can also access a variety of add-on options from email collaboration to consultation calls to help guide you through your training and nutrition needs. You can access these with or without a formal plan. So head over to ZachBitter.com and let me know what you think.